my little kumquats. Welcome back to a three bean salad. Here we go again. The number one foot enlargement podcast on the internet. This week, we're talking about Mamma Mia, the original one, as we do on this podcast. If you're in this deep, and I know we say this every fucking couple of weeks, if you're in this deep and you don't know the premise, go back to the start. We're watching the Mamma Mia movies for a whole year straight on loop. Butch, what did you think of the movie this week? Yeah, it was all right. All right. Yeah, it was like 10 out of 10. Okay, yeah, so like higher all right. Sort of like same as it has been before. Uh, what did you think of it? Oh, well, would you believe? Uh, it was a solid 10 out of 10. No change. Who saw that coming? We're going Us, solid. <laughs> um, do, you, uh, do you watch it in any stranger, uh, interesting ways this week? Not this week. Not this week, no. Um, I had planned on doing something this week, but... Uh, Mm, it's gonna be next round and mm. you'll see it'll be fun uh hopefully hopefully it's not horrible and i don't hurt myself but um <laughs> this week i just watched it vanilla Uh-oh. just uh, got up this morning and uh watched it in bed earphones in having a wonderful wonderful time uh barely slept a fucking wink last night though so it was a bit a uh, bit, bit wavy, we'll say, a bit wavy with a sleep deprivation. Um, a bit all, I, yeah, I always find that that kind of offers some interesting notes because I almost didn't take notes because I was so fucking tired. But then I was like, I can't. I, I thought of something pre-film. I was like, okay, no, I gotta, I gotta take notes. And with like four pages. Fair enough. Well, I did watch the film in an interesting way. Uh, oh, do tell. Well, last year we were sort of, you know, the films we were watching, they, you know, we kind of barreled through all of the extra content fairly early on. And, you know, we were disappointed at the lack of commentary tracks to the point that we had to record our own. Thankfully, sure. this is not the case with these two films. Uh, both of them have lots of bonus features and. Uh, between the two films there are I believe three commentary tracks and so this week I watched the commentary track for the original film and it's got some good stories on there uh, it's mostly technical stuff I'll be honest which you know is it doesn't make for the most interesting listen but like as a filmmaker of sorts myself you know I, I appreciate that uh, the commentary does have some uh, some some it has some interesting stories in there uh, it's got one story in particular that's a really amusing story that I think you'll find really, really, really amusing. It's no. about a goat. No, you're fucking kidding me. So, uh, where do you want to start? Oh, God. I mean, you've brought up the goat story, and I almost want to go straight into that, but I feel like... I mean, I'll, I'll say right now, I actually don't have a theory for the goat story as of yet. But oh, it's fine. I I know what the truth is, as I do every week. So, uh... well, do you want to barrel away with the the goat the goat truth? Uh, well, the goat truth is uh, in the commentary. The director uh, says uh, th- there's one point. It's it's just after Mamia when Meryl is running over to Tanya and Rosie, 
uh, and she runs past the goat again, and the director says, Oh god, the goat, we actually had a horrible outbreak on set of foot and mouth disease. Uh, what the fuck? <laughs> which, uh, I guess that's the goat story. That's what it is. Uh, while on the island, Bill caught foot and mouth disease. <laughs> no way! That's just... Jesus Christ! That's just, that's what it is. That's, that's the goat story. Uh, um, okay. One, one little note that I'd like to offer in regards to the goat story. Very amusing is not how I would describe. <laughs> I don't know. Break <laughs> Depends who gets it. <laughs> That's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> I do, I do wonder now if, like, but now nah, it was a uh, second film's directed by Al Parker as opposed to Philo Deloitte, but hmm. maybe you know one one can wish that it was a direct reference to. Well, I'm gonna be watching one of the uh, one of the two commentaries for the second film next week, so I guess we'll Amazing. see. Uh, Keep us posted. But I've also got a note here from the very beginning, which is that it turns out pretty much all of the night scenes in this film were shot day for night, uh, or as the French call it, American night. Uh, which is, is occasionally, you know, quite good. Like in the opening scene, it gives it sort of a, a sort of like slightly otherworldly quality. Like it doesn't, it looks a bit unreal. But then in other scenes in the film, now that. Uh, it, it was mentioned to me, it's just so blatantly obvious that they're shooting in the daytime. <laughs> uh. Fuck, I... Oof. I'm trying to think if I can think of any, like, uncanny... Oh, actually, now that I think about it, Bill and Sophie talking down by the water at the, the yeah. end party, that's one that kind of sticks out, like, there is something yeah. kind of weird about it. Not necessarily and if you look at it now, way. you'll be like, oh, you can just see the fucking sun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Easter eggs in, in films. I love finding Easter eggs. I like the sun. <laughs> the night sun. <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> uh, but God damn. Next note is that apparently Amanda Seyfried uh, nearly died of heat. That's a direct quote uh, while making this film. Uh, and the commentary also points out something that I never thought about before, but it just, it, I probably could have found out on my own, but uh, it was where Bill is at the beginning of the film. Turns out he's in Marrakesh. Uh, oh. Of all, of all places. What he's Wild. doing there is, what he's doing there is beyond me, probably writing a travel piece. And, yeah, uh, writing a travel piece and such. In the opening of the film, Honey Honey, there is at least one shot where I noticed what looks like a massive bruise on Sophie's collar, which is oh interesting. Uh, shit! I did not, not saying, pick up on that. I yeah, it's 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 subtle enough that obviously I hadn't noticed it before, but uh, yeah, it just it was just a bit of an ick moment. Anyway, so money, money, money. Uh, always sunny. This film takes place in the same universe as Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh baby, do I have a, a theory about this taking place in the same universe as another piece of media, but we'll get to that. 
Thank you for Man. jogging my memory. Alright. Uh, so, Sam mentions he has... I think he says he has three sons. Uh, why yeah. are none of them invited to the grand opening in the second film? <laughs> so many questions. I can only... <laughs> they all died of cancer in between the two films. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> God, Sam has had a rough few years. Um... I can only... Mm, I was going to say maybe they don't want anything to do with him because I'm guessing his like undying love for Donna is probably what dissolved him and the mother of his, chil- his children's uh, marriage. Yeah. Maybe. And they're just like, fuck you, weird dad. <laughs> weird dad. <laughs> weird dad Yankovic. <sighs> I mean, I also have, you know, uh, slightly icky theories about this, but, like, sure, look, we'll get into it should we ever get into it. Uh, Next note, uh, Bill says to Sophie when she says, please don't tell anyone, uh, Bill says to Sophie, you got it, baby. (laughs) Baby. (laughs) Because because he's her dad. See? (laughs) I took note of that line and another line from that scene this week. Let me try to find it here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you got it, baby. And also, just as uh, Sophie's ushering them into the goat house, I think it's Sam just goes, where's Donna? <laughs> he sounds like a little baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, next note is the goat story. And then uh, the, the next note that I have is that apparently the line about yoga making Tanya's feet bigger was apparently improvised which i never would have guessed god damn that's a good line that's that's a good that's one of my favorite lines i take note of it every single time uh i mean that just uh i was actually reading up about christine baranski earlier and like she fucking studied uh theater and performance at a juilliard in the Mm. states which is like a fucking prestigious enough university for the arts so I mean, it just goes to show that she is like you know a fucking th- i guess a good theater actor as well as like a screen actor i feel like she's mm. got a good skill set she's got a great skill set and uh next note is is bill's boat different because the interior looks pretty different it does doesn't it is it I a ha- new look. boat Ooh, is it a new boat I mean, like, if we're you talking about like the boat that he had as a as a youngin? I mean, it's the only other boat we've ever seen him in. So, okay, well now this opens up uh, the, the doors to the tw- to the twin theory that it one sure of them does. is the twin, uh, and they both have similar but not identical boats. Exactly, that's the mm. only kind of really plausible thing I could think of. Uh, other than maybe in the, I guess, in the intervening years, Bill mm. wrecked his first boat in a horrible accident that he refused to talk about. In Botswana. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, but there, was, uh, there was a goat, you see, and, uh, well, in this horrible accident that he refuses to tell anyone about, uh, the goat somehow sank his boat. It's the sea goat. 
it's yeah capricorn fucking sank his boat or maybe <laughs> him sinking his boat as you've pointed out before maybe that's the boat story and they're just bad at pronouncing their b's mm, it's hard to tell you know i don't know enough about swedish and uh, swedish linguistics to to possibly comment on it mm. uh now that you mentioned botswana as well it just reminded me to check something uh regarding the a bloke in a boat in Botswana line. Right. Uh, Botswana is landlocked. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I've been meaning to check it the last few weeks. It's like, well, fuck it, I'll check it right now. Very, it, like, there are a few lakes. Well, how the fuck he got a boat into Botswana? I mean, that's a book I'd read. Like, Yeah, it's like, I feel like, you know, he's a travel writer. Like yeah, there's there's a. It's like that one uh, task in Taskmaster where they have to just row around that room. Yeah, there's there is a lake in Botswana, but it's in like a national park. So mm. I mean, that's not. I wouldn't call that travel-worthy material, if it's just in a national park. Like what? Yeah, you know, what? What the fuck? I don't know. Just tickled my pickle that one. <laughs> Anyway, so a lot to get into with with boats, uh, but anyway, uh, love Harry wearing a, a life vest on a pedal boat. Uh, gorgeous, <laughs> gorgeous indeed. Oh, speaking uh, of um, Harry on boats, just before I forget, uh, him on Bill's boat. Actually, when he says the a bloke in a boat, boat in, in Botswana, Botswana. Uh, when he delivers that line, he looks like. Uh, Colin Firth looks like uh, Mr. Darcy. Like, he just looks like he's fucking reprising his role as Mr. Darcy in fucking Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> Same character. Prove me wrong. Same character, probably. I mean, I can't fuck. I can't prove a thing. Bill probably has loads of kids that he doesn't know about. Oh. Oh, for sure. Just like, like, just like the real yeah. Stellan Skarsgård. He's got so <laughs> many kids. <laughs> yeah, but he, I imagine he knows about the majority of them. Uh, oh, you'd hope so. I don't, I don't know enough about him personally, but... He seems like a talented man. He was, you know, Father uh, Marin in in that one Exorcist prequel. Oh, yeah. And, uh, um... and that other Exorcist prequel, which was just re-edited footage from the original version of that one Exorcist prequel. <laughs> <laughs> he was also a Nymphomaniac. Uh, he sure is. Stands He's, to reason uh, that he would have a lot of kids. Uh, All that goodwill hunting. Is, uh... Anyway, uh, but yeah, Bill probably has loads of children. I'm just saying that he's focusing entirely too much on Sophie. Uh, what about all your other children, Bill? Come on. Oh, fair uh, point. My next note is slipping through my fingers is surprisingly gory. Uh, then... Gory? Oh yeah. yeah, there's that big gash. Yeah, surprise! Way more gore than you'd expect in this film. Uh, it's the gory. That part is of to the say, movie. any. <laughs> <laughs> so Sophie and Sky don't get married in this film, as no. you know we've talked about at great length. But is there anything at any point to suggest that they get married by the time the second film happens? I have pondered this. Uh, over the last two weeks 
because when Zoe and I watched Here We Go Again last week, and Zoe hadn't seen it before, uh, Zoe, one of her first questions was, so are they married now or what? And I hadn't thought about it until she asked. I was like, well, they don't get married at the end of the first film, but I don't, yeah, it, it's, I don't think it's ever made clear. I'm going to look out for a wedding ring uh, next week on Sophie's mm. Finger. Because I'm just show. saying, their their relationship seems seems pretty pretty fragile. Certainly more fragile than a, a, a married couple should be. Mm. And like they seem very ready to basically like have their relationship fall apart <laughs> over this fucking job. And it seems yeah. more like a breakup than a potential divorce kind of situation. That's just kind of the vibes it has. So I'm not that's sure. Actually, I mean, yeah, that's I very th- fair. I, I, I mean, you know, fucking more power to them if they want to stay just dating rather than married. Like, you know, fucking power to the people. I, you know, more films about women that don't get murdered, raped, or married, you know? For sure. Uh, I mean, there's, like, uh, I've definitely met lots of people in my life uh, whose parents never got married. Like, I've, I've met plenty of people who have that scenario, and... You know, well, you know, it's a, a different strokes for different folks. Whatever. I mean, just come on, the one thing I would say is that tax breaks. If you're married, you know, if you're into that, if you're into tax breaks, put a ring on it. There are two options: <laughs> get married or, or tax evade. <laughs> Commit fraud. So my next note is just I'd note that it's just something about Meryl Streep. And a film with someone called Sophie in it just rings a bell. I don't oh, know. God, we are not going down this hole again. Not while I'm living in the fucking middle of Lichtenberg. What hole again? You mean the, what? What Sophie's choice? What what hole does that lead us down? Oh right. <laughs> yeah, the sting hole. <laughs> I'm just. I'm not saying the. Sophie's child in Sophie's Choice, the one that lives. I'm not saying that that is Cher, but I'm not saying that it's not either. Well, we'll get researchers on it. Now, I'm not saying that it's Cher because in the film she saves the boy, but uh, (laughs) maybe it's Senor Sinfuegos. Oh. (laughs) Fuck's sake. Uh, my last note is just a quote from the commentary, which is, Once we tackled the bee situation... <laughs> what sort of a set was this? Rampant fucking diseased goats? Bees? Pierce Brosnan? <laughs> uh, so anyway, do you want to crack on with some of your uh, findings? Yeah, for sure. I... Uh... I think I might just go through them chronologically. Probably makes the most sense. Let's have a look now. So, oh yeah. um, These first two are kind of like... They came very, very early into the film. I'm talking like the first fucking minute and a half. Uh, So, in the version of Gimme, 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 A Man After Midnight that plays in this film... It's a different instrumental to the original studio version by ABBA, even though it's performed by the same fucking musicians for this film. But mm. there's like a an extra kind of uh, 
I think it's a like it must be a rhythm guitar in the left earphone playing this really like um I guess it's a, like what we call like an augmented chord so it sounds kind of spooky as played on like the offbeat so like if you can imagine the beat goes like one two three four one two three four one two three four it's like the clicks would be the guitar bit and it's just it's it's sick is what I'm saying. It should have been on the original recording because it fucks. It absolutely fucks. Anyways, All right, college boy. Enough nerd shit. Uh, <laughs> so I've had some thoughts on the the water served at the villa in the past, as you know. Uh, because obviously there's yeah. the whole thing about Aphrodite's fountain. And it's that They're all spiked. The, they're all, <laughs> all our drinks are spiked, of course. But uh, I decided to marry that theory with kind of a few theories that we've had going. Uh, we've had a few theories regarding uh, some of Richard Kelly's work, namely like Donnie Darko. And there's been a few shout outs to Southland Tales as well. Hmm. I I proposed to you this and I, wa- I was almost about to say spoilers for Southland Tales. But this is almost just like exposition for Southland Tales. <laughs> Yeah, can you spoil a film that doesn't have a plot? I don't really yeah, it's think a so. Good, it's a good question. It kind of has a plot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're funny. Anyways, as you know, in Settlement Tales, there's a thing called Fluid Karma, which is this fucking thing that, you know, there's that scene where Justin Timberlake injects himself with it, and he hallucinates that whole fucking... <laughs> it was The Killers? Like a Killers yeah, yeah, music video? Yeah, Bittersweet Symphony, yeah. That... <laughs> <laughs> nice one um, but the whole thing with fluid karma in Southland Tales is that like it kind of like lifts you to like a higher state of like being or some shit like it kind of heightens your senses to a point where you're almost like sharing a consciousness with anyone else that takes fluid karma so my thought this week was, obviously, if you inject something, it's going to go straight to your bloodstream. That's why in Southland Tales, Fluid Karma takes effect immediately. But if you were to drink it, it would be released into your bloodstream slower, like much, much slower. So throughout the movie, everyone is drinking this Fluid Karma from the Villa Donna. And, you know, so they're spiked. They're spiked with Fluid Karma. Their drinks are spiked. And then, of course, the film ends with Aphrodite's fountain fucking blowing up and everyone gets drenched in what we'll say is fluid karma. Now, what you're probably wondering is, okay, well, if they're getting sprayed with fluid karma and they're drinking fluid karma, they all have to ascend to this higher state of being, this higher sensory state, this shared consciousness. It completely explains the, the like credit, the mid-credit sing-alongs. That's what's going on. I mean, that would be really interesting if it wasn't completely wrong. But <laughs> Why is it wrong? <laughs> because it means that this I have to think about Southland Tales more than I would like to, which is to say at all. Uh, so, Just you know, give it some thought. I just say I think Richard Kelly could, could be the key to solving these films. Well, I mean, I think you and I have established privately that Southland Tales very possibly takes place in the same universe as Donnie Darko, so... For sure. I'm, Which I'm almost I think convinced we of it. Can, 
all agree Mamiya almost certainly does, so... Hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, on to reverse twins. Uh, <laughs> are you familiar with the concept of the reverse twin? I understand it's a, a tingleism. A, a it's, Chuck Tingle It's very concept. much a, a tingleism. Uh, I'll be honest, I have done a good deal of looking into this man's work, and I'm still not 100% sure what they are, but I've got an instructional video loaded up here with uh, practical advice on how to spot a reverse twin. Uh, okay. So... One, low appetite. Reverse twins hate food from this reality. <laughs> Two, backwards talk. Is your bud speaking backwards as they shake and drool? Might be a reverse twin. And three, no skin. Reverse twins will often have no skin. So they're kind of like uh, tulpas in a way. I'm just saying, I think all of those sound a bit like Tanya. <laughs> She's got no skin, she is entirely made of plastic, she yeah. never eats a bite, and uh, get, I'll have to get back to you on the backwards talk, but... I, I'm sure there's a scene somewhere where she puts on a suit backwards and looks in the mirror and just starts going backwards man, backwards man. But I, I'd need to double check it. Oh my god, Tom Green was the original reverse twin, I should have known. <laughs> but it's yeah, intriguing. they are basically uh, basically tulpas. It's interesting. It's an intriguing theory. I look forward to finding out... Uh... Oh, like, okay. I'm, like, I'm not saying that Bill's brother is basically the equivalent of Mr. C, but... <laughs> I feel like Bill's brother is more like Dougie Jones. Well, Bill's brother is incredibly fat, so clearly he's not a reverse twin. He loves food from this reality. Mm. Uh, and he has skin. We think, but maybe <laughs> Bill doesn't. Bill mm. looks like he's made of aged denim. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I mean, okay, at this stage you may as well just say, fuck you, Stellan. <laughs> No, we love Stellan Skarsgård, but I'm mixed on Bill. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, fuck Bill. Uh, marry Stellan. Kill Bill's twin? Bill's um, twin. I mean, we, we're not, we need to establish where we stand with Bill and his twin. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like this is next week talk, because... Then we can get a closer look at his twin. His twin doesn't even show up until next week's movie. His twin uh. is only on screen for about 20 seconds. <laughs> I know, but... I think next next week I'm going to pause the film on Bill's twin. <laughs> I'm going to go through it frame by frame. <laughs> pixel by bloody pixel. Really get into it. Um, but Bill's twin could be in this movie for all we know. We're not sure. Yeah, we're not. I know. Oh, it's so frustrating. Why did they have to give him a fucking mystery twin? <laughs> like, why? <laughs> to give us a year's worth of content. <laughs> I just... Oh, why? Like, why... And the thing is, like, uh, there's there's no excuse why they couldn't have, like, made at least 
an allusion to Bill having a brother in the first film. He talks about his family quite a bit when you get when you look at it, like more so than uh, many of the other characters. He talks about yeah. his aunt Sophia. He's you know he mentions that like uh, when he's talking about Sophie, he uses the word family and is clearly quite like sensitive about the topic of family. It's like uh... he also has a mother. <laughs> <laughs> Alma. Thank you. Thank you, Mama. <laughs> that line always cracks me up. Uh, yeah. I mean, the the only outside the first, the the flashbacks in the second film, the only times we hear Harry talking about his family are when he talks about his dogs, uh, mm-hmm. which are of course the only family that matters. Uh, of course. Then yeah, Sam obviously he's got his wife and he mentions his sons who we seemingly never meet but you know i mean yeah. even though I mean, we, not we... not neither of these two movies but um that we know of yeah uh, or you that know, you know of i should say uh for sure i mean think about it though um remember me how many sons does uh <laughs> does pierce brosnan have in remember me Oh, God. I mean, there's nothing saying that they can't be the same two films. Uh, exactly. Same two universes, yep. Uh. <gasps> oh, and that would explain... That would explain why his sons don't show up in the second film. They're, they're dead. But also, it means he went back to New York after the first film for some reason. <laughs> Uh, business, I don't know. He is a finance ham, as we have established yeah, before. He is such a finance ham. Actually, uh, speaking of Pierce Brosnan being different types of ham, uh, I, <laughs> Zoe and I were talking to uh, a German friend of ours recently, and we were trying to explain to her like what we meant by like say like we. I think we were stood outside a takeaway, and the takeaway is run by an Irish dude in Berlin mm. and the guy looks very Irish and either me or Zoe went oh he's got a big Irish head on him you know that's like a, a pretty stock Irish phrase like for someone to have like a big whatever head on them and we're like oh he's got a big Irish head on him and our friend Hannah was like what like what does that mean like what do you mean he's got a big Irish head on him and Zoe and I were trying to like describe it to her for ages like just like it's just, just a certain <laughs> look some people have and then when I think it was this morning when I was watching uh, Mamma Mia, Zoe kind of looked just like, Pierce Brosnan's got a big Irish head on him, actually. Like, he's just got the, that weird, rugged... That, that but, weird sort of ham look. Yeah, weird, rugged ham look about him. Uh, and speaking of ham, uh, ham being a food stuff, have you ever paid attention to the name of uh, the title of Rosie's cookbook? I don't think I have. What is it? Well, it is The Whole Woman Cookbook. And at first I was like, okay, is that just like another layer to the whole... Uh, is it for Woman uh, Cookbook. For... <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, when um, we see the book, for, the, for, for at least for the first time, maybe the last time we see it, on the boat over to the island... Her and Tanya are bickering, and uh, Tanya's like, "We're we're the same age," and Rosie says, "Parts of us," you know, in reference to mm. Tanya having plastic surgery, and in reference to Tanya it. being from another timeline. Yes. Yeah, 
So I'm wondering, I was like, oh, is it just another layer to like the timeline slash plastic surgery gag? Or cannibalism. <laughs> uh, I was there like a second before you said it. My mind just clicked <laughs> into place. Yep, yep. That's, but I mean, it's, like, <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously it's a, ta- it's a taboo type of uh, culinary art. So it's just use code word, words such as mushrooms and, and such, you know, stuffing mushrooms. That's why Tanya kind of stutters over that line. Stuffing mushrooms. Mushrooms. (laughs) (laughs) To cook humans. No, no, how to cook four humans. (laughs) No, no, how to cook 40 humans. (laughs) How to cook for 40 humans. (laughs) Some more space dust on here. (laughs) Um... Uh, I'll, I'm gonna try rapid fire through a few more of my notes here. Uh, no, take so, your time. We need to stretch this thing out as long as we can. Oh, I've got. I've. I haven't even finished my first page of notes, oh, so I. I got plenty of shit here. Uh, Sophie says, "I'll know my dad when I see him." Enter Sky. Hmm. You know, cinema works on implication. A lot of the time, it's mm. the very basis of the art form. Someone says something, you you montage in that like a. Uh, the next shot and you're meant to like kind of draw conclusions hmm plot twist <laughs> this film's gross this guy is Sophie's dad uh yeah and uh except that's not true Sky isn't Sophie's dad uh but Sam is Sky's dad uh oh and Sophie's dad uh oh <laughs> it's uh yeah. how familiar are you with the work of uh, Richard Wagner? Uh I think familiar enough to know where you're fucking going with this. Oh don't worry, it's none of that stuff, but it's uh uh so if you're familiar with uh, arguably his most well-known work, the uh, the Ring Cycle, yeah. uh, spe- specifically the second uh work of the four in it, uh, Die Valkyrie, uh, which I am pronouncing wrong. Uh, the Valkyrie. I'm just going to say it in English. Uh, so there are the two characters of Sigmund and Sieglinde, who uh, I believe between them uh, beget uh, the son Siegfried, who becomes uh, uh, sort of the hero of the piece. Obviously, it's all based in old folklore uh, from Norse mythology and Germanic yeah. stuff. Uh, but Sigmund and Sieglinde are uh, twins who were separated at birth. Uh, and their father being Votan, the chief god, or uh, that would be Odin if we're going by Norse names. Uh, but, uh, again, they don't know this either. They're both mortal, and they both meet up later in life and don't discover that they're actually long-lost siblings until after they've had a child. Uh, uh... And so... I'm not saying that Sam is Votan in this case, and that Sky is actually his long-lost son, uh, but I do have evidence for this. Now, you see, oh, uh, Sam, what does Sam say when Sophie first asks him, you know, oh, you have sons? He says, yes, uh, two or three or whatever it is. I always yeah. wanted to bring them here someday. Oh, and God. Sky specifically says, you know, the thing is, I was traveling to find myself. 
and that's God. when he put everything on hold for her. So he was he he became an adult. He left his fucking ham of a dad. Uh, <laughs> Probably completely changed his appearance, maybe even changed his identity, uh, and then fucking he, he, he thought like, ah, oh, fuck, where am I gonna go? Go traveling the world, and then eventually he was like, ah, oh, there's this island that my dad keep talking about, like you know, when when I was younger, he kept talking about this island and what it meant to him and how he discovered himself there. Maybe I'll go there to discover myself, and uh, just doesn't you know? He sees his dad there, and he's just you know, every time that. Sky and Sam are in the same scene. Sky just fucking scarpers. Uh, yeah. So he's obviously just thinking, "Fuck, my dad is here to try and find me. Try and get the gotta get the fuck away." He doesn't put two and two together that, oh shit, that's one of Sophie's possible dads. And no. By the time he does find this out, he's like, "Well, it'll be a bit awkward to say now. Let's not cause a scene." Uh, yeah. Which so is he basically it under that fucking hissy fit he has. Which is basically what's uh, what happens in the Valkyrie is they they you know one of them gets pregnant and it's only then that they find out that they're siblings. But they decide at that point that they've already fallen in love and they decide to elope together regardless. Which bit twisted, but uh, yeah. So so I'm just saying that's. That's that's why it's also it yeah it's entirely possible that as you say he uh, yeah he is just like he the reason he gets so pissed at Sophie is because you idiot you've invited my fucking dad, <laughs> uh, but it's also po- oh. possible that he is just genuinely pissed at Sophie because in that scene as he's walking away Sam comes in just goes is everything all right and then he just fucking scarpers off. He does. So, he does scarper. He's such a little scarpery little fucker. So uh yeah that's my uh that's that's my theory as to where the fuck Sam's sons are uh well, which makes me really hope that Bill is Sophie's father. Yeah, me too. Uh I was going to say I don't think I've ever felt closer to puking on this fucking podcast and I've done it <laughs> I've done it very very hungover. <laughs> done it very hungover. We've done it while basically on the toilet from IBS. Uh. <laughs> God, yeah. Do you know what? I, I only remembered the. Uh, that was the Glenner Glenda episode, wasn't it? Oh, uh, it sure was. I've yeah. got, like, solid, like, 15 minutes of material there. <laughs> God, memories. Everyone go check out the Glenner Glenda episode. I really. That's one of my favorites of ours. Memories. <laughs> um, You know, the way there's that whole thing of uh, people were annoyed about, like, Donna being really rude to the locals in the mm. first film, so they kind of overcompensated for it in the second one. Yeah. Um, I noticed another incident of it this time around that I've never noticed before, which was uh, when Donna first uh, meets Rosie and Tanya off the boat, uh, she fucking shoves Stavros, I believe is his name, the guy that Rosie signs the book for. Like, she literally... <laughs> barges through him, just run down the hill and she just shoves him. It's like, you could have gone around him. There's plenty of room. Really weird. Um, In the goat house, uh, as Mamma Mia is starting and uh, Donna's trying to make her way uh, or she's trying to like peek inside or whatever. Uh, why is Sam whittling? 
because woodland's what you do in the sort of town where yellow light still means slow down and not speed up. It's look, it's as good an answer as I was hoping for. I I I was expecting a simple. Uh, he's trying to make a spoon because <laughs> Sophie has left them with uh, no cookie. no utensils. Yeah. <laughs> um, so very rude. Oh, okay. We have complained about the slow motion in this film a few times. We sure have. About how they just didn't, like, use it's slow motion. It's obviously mo post-converted. Yeah. However, <laughs> there is decent slow motion just before the first instant of the really bad slow motion. <laughs> and I don't know why I never noticed it before, because it's so fucking blatant. In Dancing Queen... When Donna's jumping on the bed, that's in, like that's slowed down to it. It must be like seventy five percent speed. As mm. I go as low as fifty, but I'm gonna we'll, we'll put it somewhere in the middle. Uh, and so it's like okay, so they had the cameras available for doing that kind of thing on set, and they just obviously didn't fucking use it for those other scenes. But also, what I noticed about that slow motion when Donna's jumping on the bed. She's still singing along, and her lips are still moving in time, which would suggest that they had, you know, on set they'd have to have the music playing slightly faster, yeah. and then like speed correct it later on when they slowed down. So I was just uh, pissed myself laughing earlier at the thought of Meryl Streep like actually like quite quickly jumping up and down on this bed and singing along to Dancing Queen really really fast. Uh, <laughs> happens i mean you've seen the music video for uh, no surprises by radiohead right yeah exact same effect and yeah. uh weezer did it as well with the sweater song it's, you know classic effect it's just funny to think of meryl streep jumping frantically out of bed <laughs> to dancing <laughs> queen uh so a little extra curricular research that i did uh this week in regards to none other than Colin Firth. And what spurred this research, you might ask? What spurred this research was this. Uh, earlier? Jack, um, what spurred this research? Why, let me tell you. Last week, uh, Prince Philip fucking died. And that had me thinking sure of the British monarchy. His death had me thinking of the British monarchy and my own personal disdain for uh, monarchies in general, to be honest. But it also got me thinking back to a Colin Firth film called The King's Speech, in which he portrays King George, I believe. And, you know, I think it's a pretty good film because it's the only film that makes me fucking sympathize with a British monarch to any extent, which is fucking impressive to, you know, coming from an Irish person, I feel. Uh, mm. And I just decided to look into Colin Firth's own kind of politics and his personal views on monarchies and stuff. And let's see, I'll read these verbatim, these notes. Uh, Colin Firth is publicly anti-monarchy and anti-Brexit. That's also my boy. A, that's our fucking man. Uh, he's an activist for some decent fucking causes as well. I'm so relieved. I have a quote from an interview uh, they did while promoting uh, the King's speech. Uh, voting is one of my favorite things. 
and uh, nice. he has gone on record saying that he has a personal issue with unelected institutions. To follow on from that, I'm just going to read uh, a quick excerpt from his Wikipedia page as well. So he's um, kind of a big supporter of uh, a lot of like asylum seekers, charities and stuff like that. And like very much like pro mm. pro refugee, uh, refugee, pro refugee. <laughs> Got there He's very the pro people becoming refugees. <laughs> no, not becoming refugees, but like helping people that are refugees. Please gaslight me into looking like <laughs> a dick. <laughs> Anyways, I'll just read this um, verbatim from his Wikipedia page because I took a screenshot of it earlier. Firth has been a long-standing supporter of Survival International, a non-governmental organization that defends the rights of indigenous peoples. Speaking in 2001, he said, My interest in indigenous peoples goes back many years, and I've supported survival ever since. In 2003, during the promotion of the film Love Actually, he spoke in defense of the indigenous people of Botswana, Ah! <laughs> condemning the Botswana government's eviction of the Ghana and Goi people, otherwise known as San, from the central Kalahari game reserve. He says of the San, these people are not the remnants of a past era who need to be brought up to date. Those are able to continue to live on... Uh, Sorry, those who are able to continue to live on the land that is rightfully theirs are facing the 21st century with a confidence that many of us in the so-called developed world can only envy. He has also backed a survival international campaign to press the Brazilian government to take more decisive action in defense of the, uh, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, this, Awaguaja people, whose land and livelihood is critically threatened by the actions of loggers. Just a little more to go here. As a supporter of the Refugee Council, Firth was involved in a campaign to stop the deportation of a group of 42 Congolese asylum seekers, expressing concerns in open letters to The Independent and The Guardian that they faced being murdered on their return to the Democratic Republic of Congo. Firth said, To me, it's just basic civilization to help people. I find this incredibly painful to see how we dismiss the most desperate people in our society. It's easily done. It plays to the tabloids, to the Middle England xenophobes. It just makes me furious. And all from a government we once had such high hopes for. Four of the asylum seekers were given a last-minute reprieve from deportation. Anyways. bloody hell. TLDR. Colin Firth seems like a very cool guy in real life, and I'm glad he's anti-fucking monarch. I just thought it was fucking sweet. Was happy to hear it. Yep, we are very pro Colin Firth on this podcast. Uh, I should probably go into some of the uh, extracurricular viewing that I did, uh, because uh, I made a lot of business expenses around the beginning of this year, as you'll recall. Uh, you sure did before the podcast started uh two of which i took the time to watch through this uh, this week uh just earlier today in fact uh firstly uh the fifth anniversary cd of the uh original show's uh release on broadway uh in america came with a bonus dvd uh and also the uh, soundtrack album for the movie had a special edition which came with a bonus DVD so I watched through both of them today not a huge amount of notes other than that on the behind the scenes featurette for the show on the 5th anniversary CD 
they seem to hate Sky about as much as we do. Uh, <laughs> like the, the behind the, the behind the scenes feature is hosted by the actor and actress who first played Sophie and Sky on Broadway, and right. basically all of their obviously scripted behind the scenes banter is uh, basically just them poking fun at how no one likes Sky. It's always just stuff like, oh yeah, you know, when we attended those parties in Sweden and in Seoul and in Germany and all the places where the show opened, and he's just going, I wasn't invited to any of these. (laughs) I'm like, yes, very funny banter that's obviously scripted and terribly acted, but I do appreciate the uh, sky hatred. Uh, Yeah, amen. Also a bit of uh, an interesting behind-the-scenes anecdote. Apparently the actress that played Sophie... Uh, when she first got the role of Sophie, it was uh, in a theatre where she had applied just a few weeks before to be an usher, and they had rejected her. Uh, and then she was able to open a fucking show for them. Uh, that's a power move. That's, that's and then, cool. then they spent about five minutes in it talking about 9-11, and how... Uh, yeah, and how that did... You know that they they were like, ah, oh, should we still go on with the show now that the world's a bit shit? And they did anyway, I guess. Which is apparently true story. Apparently, one of the reasons why Meryl Streep agreed to be in the film. Really? She said that it gave her hope and reprieve uh, in the aftermath of nine eleven, and so she became a really big fan of the show and then agreed to do the film. Holy shit! Th- Fuck. That's crazy. Yeah. What the fuck? That's a wild story. Who'd have thunk it? Who'd have uh, thunk it? But, yeah, anyway, uh, I'll continue on with your notes, any that you may have. Yes, uh, I have two Bible-themed notes. I feel like I haven't been of course, of course. pulling my weight with the Bible-themed notes this year so far, so I figured you I'd... You haven't been pulling your notes with the lizard imagery. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, there's the no reptile imagery. Reptile, sorry. I know. There's, um, I suppose this one kind of, there's an element of reptile imagery in this one. Uh, with that being, in uh, SOS, we get a shot of Donna sat by Sophie's wedding cake. Mm. And it's very ornate, you know, a, yeah. a decorated fucking white wedding cake. And it's got these these balls on it. Not balls, apples, golden uh, apples. Is golden that... apples. Yeah, that's not Bible themed. That's fucking Greek mythology right there. Oh shit! Oh, I see. I was going down the original sin route with the apples. No, no, no. And stuff. Golden apples specifically play a very big role in Greek mythology. I mean, a golden apples what starts the fucking Trojan War. <gasps> You're fucking dead, right? Aren't you? Yeah, fucking golden apple of discourse, which was thrown to the gods and said, oh, whoever's the hottest goddess can have that. And so it was Hera, Aphrodite, and Athena uh, were all fighting over it. Zeus was like, that's too dangerous for me to answer. Go ask this kid, this fucking mortal dude. And they were like, hey, I'll give you fucking cool battle tactics. Hey, I'll give you ownership of like the entire Mediterranean. Then Aphrodite said, I will give you the hottest woman on earth. And so this mortal kid was just like, I'll take the hot lady option. Uh, <laughs> Men. 
I know, I know. And it turns out the hardest lady on earth happened to be married to someone who had like an international treaty that would mean that they'd go to war if anyone ever took his wife. <laughs> typical. Men. Typical, typical. Uh, Which is exactly what happens in Mamma Mia if you really think about it. <laughs> I mean, think about it. The men are like the free goddesses, you know. Which one's the hardest? Which one will Donna end up choosing? Uh, Harry. Harry's the hardest. <laughs> he's hot, okay? He's hot. And that's that's all there is to it. He's gay yes. and he's hot. Um, Sophie literally rides on a mule like Mary. And she looks like fucking... She's got a fucking doodah over her head and all. Like a veil. Oh, she's getting fucking married. But she it's just very reminiscent of fucking Mary riding into Bethlehem. It's uh, also very reminiscent of the mule that we see in the background when Styx throws down her sticks. Fuck me. Oh, wait. What if it's not a mule? What if it's a Trojan horse? Hmm? Nah. Nah. What about the Don't horse in the second film? Horse in the second film could be Trojan. Uh, it could be. I mean, it cause it's the reason that like Sam manages to work his way into Donna's life. It's also the way that Donna manages to work her way, like into owning a hotel. Yeah, and and, it, and it, you know it it do be a horse though. I mean, there is that. <laughs> Um, I have, let's see, I have three notes left. I'm going to do them slightly out of order because I want to end on my favorite one. By all means. So, um, the transition from, um, the church scene to when all is said is, uh, when all is said and done is such a, like, I feel like it really shows that uh, Philip Lloyd was uh, a theater director more predominantly than she ever was a film director because it's kind of like the focus is drawn on a character and then the kind of uh, what happens is the se- the setting changes around them. You know, we get like, we see Sam's hand come down to kind of like hold Donna's and then it cuts to like them in that same position but with a different setting. It just felt very much like a the kind of move that a theater director would pull, I thought it was very cool this week. Just, just caught my eye. Um, moving back a little bit though to, uh, uh, does your mother know that you're out? Uh, <laughs> one of Sophie's friends, uh, what are they called again? Uh, Alexio and Liza. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, one of them says, to Tanya that Pepper is all mouth and no trousers. Yet, Pepper has both a mouth, a gorgeous <laughs> smile, in fact, and is, in fact, wearing pants. Ah, uh, see, this brings me on to my big theory this week, which is that whichever one of Sophie's friends that is, is blind. <laughs> oh, they could, they're, they're, but their sense of hearing is impeccable, and so they can hear Pepper speaking. And so they assume, well, I can hear him speaking, but I can't see him, so he must be all mouth. <laughs> He's all mouth. That would make sense. I mean, and the thing is as well, um, if she is blind, like, blind people often rely on, like, uh, 
a certain degree of like basic echolocation like you know that's what that's the whole point of um of a uh, what are they called again white canes you know like this the the stick with the ball on the end um mm. so like maybe she's like done a little bit of like i know some blind people even do, do it with their mouths they'll just like make clicking noises and like listen for reflections and mm. what she's heard are his exposed shins because he's wearing shorts and so she assumes that he's not wearing trousers but he actually he's just wearing shorts it's an understandable mistake that could be made with that Are kind shorts of, considered trousers? Are trousers not generally longer than shorts? I feel like they come under the like the umbrella term of trousers. I'd consider them a type of trousers. I'm uh, also just going to point out that uh, I'm sure we've heard something about making noise to, to see your way around. I'm sure we've said something about that in the past few weeks. Uh are you sure? Specifically to do with ABBA music, oddly enough. Uh, but anyway, mm. car- carry on. Um, my final note is... <laughs> I came up with a song idea uh, this week. I haven't put it together yet. But uh, the kind of premise of the song is like the... It's told from the point of view of someone who's questioning what your your mum would know about tiling and it's called does your mother know about grout <laughs> <laughs> well donna clearly does i mean she's got a <laughs> hole in her courtyard to fix yeah so you know if if i were to say that to sophie the answer would evidently be yes and the song would end there uh, that was my final note. <laughs> I wanted to oh, I've just got a, I've got a dictionary definition here for the word trousers, which is an outer garment covering the body from the waist to the ankles. So, hmm. so, so skin. Shorts, shorts wouldn't count, so he is all mouth and no trousers. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. They got us again. Does that make skin trousers? It's each leg a pant. Mm. <laughs> is each is each leg a trouser? Why is it called trousers if it's just one item? Yabba dabba do. Shall we move on to the mailbag? I suppose so. Our question this week, because we're not getting that many comes from friend of the podcast, Mrs. H. And Mrs. H asks, Why do you think Pepper is called Pepper? Is this a racist nickname passed off as banter? P.S. Please make it okay to still love this movie. Now, I saw this message when it got sent in and decided to do some some research before we got to the mailbag just so I wasn't talking completely out my ass and I suppose there's two ways of looking at this from where I'm standing and it's either that his name really is Pepper because Pepper is uh, a given first name Uh, in fact it comes from a Sanskrit word uh, which means berry I found that on a website called nameberry.com. Oh, there you go. The other 
more unfortunate reading of it is that Sky and his chauvinistic dickhead friends are just really casually racist. Mm. But. But. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, th- I kind of want to believe that it's just his name. I do want to just believe it's his name. But knowing Sky, knowing that he's a big dickhead, I wouldn't put it past him. Knowing that he's wouldn't put it past him. He's a shady, shady boy. Um, is it a problem with the movie, or is it a problem with Dominic Cooper? Yeah, I'm gonna. <laughs> Why does it have to be either? I'm gonna. I'm leaving the ball in Dominic Cooper's uh, court. It's his his play, his serve. I mean, fair enough. I fi- I don't think anyone in the film s- says... Pe- I d- certainly Dominic Cooper never says Pepper. They say it at one point on the beach. You just hear someone saying, Go, Pepper! But I think that's it. I think that's the only mention of his name at any point. <laughs> in all seriousness, I think it is just his name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> sure, I just look, hate I'll, Sky, okay? I just hate we'll Sky. We'll talk about... It's like, I feel like... It's very much not our place to decide if that is or isn't being two very, very, very white people. You know, it could be. It, I, I will. I will say it can be read as being a little distasteful, and you know, a bit, bit mm. icky. But I don't feel like I can make the final call on that. I feel like that is not like our our thing to call. If you if you catch my drift. You know. But, uh. Anyway, so this film is basically the same as, right? Oh god, you're just you're just you're just angling for more. You fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't think I'd hear you say that again anytime soon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> time to pull out my bleeps. Yeah. Oh man. All bleep, right, bleep, should we bleep, move bleep, on to the bleep. Patreons? <laughs> Yes, please. Our first patron is Adam Redmond. Adam Redmond. Our second patron is Mrs. H. Mrs. H. Our third patron is Jack Kavanaugh. Jack Our fourth and currently final patron is Andy Kinsler. Andy Kinsler. Yeah, well soon, Andy. Yeah, well soon. Uh, yeah, if you want to support us on this section, go to patreon.com forward slash freebeingsiledpod. That is the word free. That is spelled T-H-R-E-E for those of you that aren't aware that you can spell numbers as well. Uh, go there and you can give us money. You'll have to insert either your PayPal or your, or your credit card information, in which case you are to spell out the numbers using numbers, not letters. Uh, I hope this isn't confusing for anyone. Uh, so... Go there, give us five dollars or more per month, and you will get your name read out in this section. You can give us less, but you won't get this reward, but you will get other rewards. Or you can give us more, and you will get this reward, and other rewards. Uh, that's that's it. That's basically all we got to say. Uh, there's nothing more to say. This is goodbye. Nah. Anchors away. Away, away. <laughs>